Part three, section four of the Age of Reason by Thomas Paine. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. I pass on to the eleventh passage called a prophecy of Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter twenty seven, verse three. Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders saying i have sinned in that i have betrayed the innocent blood and they said what is that to us see thou to that and he cast down the pieces of silver and departed and went and hanged himself and the chief priests took the silver pieces and said it is not lawful to put them in the treasury because it is the price of blood and they took counsel and bought with them the potter's field to bury strangers in wherefore that field is called the field of blood unto this day then was fulfilled that which was spoken by jeremiah the prophet saying and they took the thirty pieces of silver the price of him that was valued whom they of the children of Israel did value, and gave them for the potter's field, as the Lord appointed me. This is a most bare-faced piece of imposition. The passage in Jeremiah, which speaks of the purchase of a field, has no more to do with the case to which Matthew applies it, than it has to do with the purchase of lands in America, I will recite the whole passage. Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 6. And Jeremiah said, The word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Behold, Hanamiel, the son of Shalom, thine uncle, shall come unto thee, saying, Buy thee my field that is in Anathot, for the right of redemption is thine to buy it. So Hanamiel, mine uncle's son, came to me in the court of the prison according to the word of the lord and said unto me buy my field i pray thee that is in anathot which is in the country of benjamin for the right of inheritance is thine and the redemption is thine buy it for thyself then i knew this was the word of the lord and i bought the field of hanamiel mine uncle's son that was in Anathot, and weighed him the money, even seventeen shekels of silver. And I subscribed the evidence and sealed it, and took witnesses, and weighed him the money in balances. So I took the evidence of the purchase, both that which was sealed according to the law and custom, and that which was open, and I gave the evidence of the purchase unto Baruch, the son of Neriah, the son of Measayat, in the sight of Hanamiel, mine uncle's son, and in the presence of the witnesses that subscribed before all the Jews that sat in the court of the prison. And I charged Baruch before them, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Take these evidences, this evidence of the purchase, both which is sealed, and this evidence which is open, and put them in an earthen vessel, that they may continue many days. 
for thus saith the lord of hosts the god of israel houses and fields and vineyards shall be possessed again in this land i forbear making any remark on this abominable imposition of matthew the thing glaringly speaks for itself it is priests and commentators that i rather ought to censure for having preached falsehood so long and kept people in darkness with respect to those impositions i am not contending with these men upon points of doctrine for i know that sophistry has always a city of refuge i am speaking of facts for wherever the thing called a fact is a falsehood the faith founded upon it is delusion and the doctrine raised upon it not true ah reader put thy trust in thy creator and thou wilt be safe but if thou trustest to the book called the scriptures thou trustest to the rotten staff of fable and falsehood but i return to my subject there is among the whims and reveries of zechariah mention made of thirty pieces of silver given to a potter they can hardly have been so stupid as to mistake a potter for a field and if they had the passage in zechariah has no more to do with jesus judas and the field to bury strangers in than that already quoted i will recite the passage zechariah chapter eleven verse seven and i will feed the flock of slaughter even you o poor of the flock and i took upon me two staves the one i called beauty and the other i called bands and i fed the flock three shepherds also i cut off in one month and my soul loathed them and their soul also abhorred me then said i i will not feed you that which dieth let it die and that which is to be cut off let it be cut off and let the rest eat every one the flesh of another and i took my staff even beauty and cut it asunder that i might break my covenant which i had made with all the people and it was broken in that day and so the poor of the flock who waited upon me knew that it was the word of the lord and i said unto them if ye think good give me my price and if not forbear so they weighed for my price thirty pieces of silver and the lord said unto me cast it unto the potter a goodly price that i was prized at of them and i took the thirty pieces of silver and cast them to the potter in the house of the lord when i cut asunder mine other staff even bands that i might break the brotherhood between judah and israel note whiston in his essay on the old testament says that the passage of zechariah of which i have spoken was in the copies of the bible of the first century in the book of jeremiah from whence says he it was taken and inserted without coherence in that of zechariah 
well let it be so it does not make the case a whit the better for the new testament but it makes the case a great deal the worse for the old because it shows as i have mentioned respecting some passages in a book ascribed to isaiah that the works of different authors have been so mixed and confounded together they cannot now be discriminated except where they are historical chronological or biographical as is the interpolation in isaiah it is the name of cyrus inserted where it could not be inserted as he was not in existence till one hundred and fifty years after the time of isaiah that detects the interpolation and the blunder with it whiston was a man of great literary learning and what is of much higher degree of deep scientific learning he was one of the best and most celebrated mathematicians of his time for which he was made professor of mathematics of the university of cambridge he wrote so much in defence of the old testament and of what he calls prophecies of jesus christ that at last he began to suspect the truth of the scriptures and wrote against them for it is only those who examine them that see the imposition those who believe them most are those who know least about them whiston after writing so much in defence of the scriptures was at last prosecuted for writing against them it was this that gave occasion to swift in his ludicrous epigram on ditton and whiston each of which set up to find out the longitude to call the one good master ditton and the other wicked will whiston but as swift was a great associate with the freethinkers of those days such as bolingbroke pope and others who did not believe the books called the scriptures there is no certainty whether he wittily called him wicked for defending the scriptures or for writing against them the known character of swift decides for the former End note. there is no making either head or tail of this incoherent gibberish his two staves one called beauty and the other bands is so much like a fairy tale that i doubt if it had any other origin there is however no part that has the least relation to the case stated in matthew on the contrary it is the reverse of it here the thirty pieces of silver whatever it was for is called a goodly price it was as much as the thing was worth and according to the language of the day was approved of by the lord and the money given to the potter in the house of the lord in the case of jesus and judas as stated in matthew the thirty pieces of silver were the price of blood the transaction was condemned by the lord and the money when refunded was refused admittance into the treasury everything in the two cases is the reverse of each other besides this a very different and direct contrary account to that of matthew is given of the affair of judas in the book called the acts of the apostles according to that book 
the case is that so far from judas repenting and returning the money and the high priest buying a field with which to bury strangers in judas kept the money and bought a field with it for himself and instead of hanging himself as matthew says that he fell headlong and burst asunder some commentators endeavor to get over one part of the contradiction by ridiculously supposing that judas hanged himself first and the rope broke acts chapter one verse sixteen men and brethren this scripture must needs have been fulfilled which the holy ghost by the mouth of david spake before concerning judas which was a guide to them that took jesus david says not a word about judas verse seventeen for he judas was numbered among us and obtained part of our ministry verse eighteen now this man purchased a field from the reward of iniquity and falling headlong he burst asunder in the midst and his bowels gushed out it is not a species of blasphemy to call the new testament revealed religion when we see in it such contradictions and absurdities i pass on to the twelfth passage called a prophecy of jesus christ matthew chapter twenty seven verse thirty five and they crucified him and parted his garments casting lots that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet they parted my garments among them and upon my vesture did they cast lots the expression is in the twenty-second psalm verse eighteen the writer of that psalm whoever he was for the psalms are a collection and not the work of one man is speaking of himself and of his own case and not of that of another he begins this psalm with the words which the new testament writers ascribed to jesus christ my god my god why hast thou forsaken me words which might be uttered by a complaining man without any great impropriety but very improperly from the mouth of a reputed god the picture which the writer draws of his own situation in this psalm is gloomy enough he is not prophesying but complaining of his own hard case he represents himself as surrounded by enemies and beset by persecutions of every kind and by way of showing the inveteracy of his persecutors he says at the eighteenth verse they parted my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture the expression is in the present tense and is the same as to say they pursue me even to the clothes upon my back and dispute how they shall divide them besides the word vesture does not always mean clothing of any kind but property or rather the admitting a man to or investing him with property and as it is used in this psalm distinct from the word garment it appears to be used in this sense but jesus had no property for they make him say of himself the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests 
but the son of man hath nowhere to lay his head be that as it may if we permit ourselves to suppose the almighty would condescend to tell by what is called the spirit of prophecy what could come to pass in some future age of the world it is an injury to our own faculties and to our ideas of his greatness to imagine it would be about an old coat or an old pair of breeches or about anything which the common accidents of life or the quarrels that attend it exhibit every day that which is within the power of man to do or in his will not to do is not a subject for prophecy even if there were such a thing because it cannot carry with it any evidence of divine power or divine interposition the ways of god are not the ways of men that which an almighty power performs or wills is not within the circle of human power to do or to control but any executioner and his assistants might quarrel about dividing the garments of a sufferer or divide them without quarrelling and by that means fulfil the thing called a prophecy or set it aside in the passages before examined i have exposed the falsehood of them in this i exhibit its degrading meanness as an insult to the creator and an injury to human reason here end the passages called prophecies by matthew matthew concludes his book by saying that when christ expired on the cross the rocks were rent the graves opened and the bodies of many of the saints arose and mark says there was darkness over the land from the sixth hour until the ninth they produce no prophecy for this but had these things been facts they would have been a proper subject for prophecy because none but an almighty power could have inspired a foreknowledge of them and afterwards fulfilled them since then there is no such prophecy but a pretended prophecy of an old coat the proper deduction is there were no such things and that the book of matthew is fable and falsehood i pass on to the book called the gospel according to saint mark end of part three section four